1: This episode of Silent Giants is brought to you by Alley. Alley, powered by Verizon locations, are developed by Verizon, the world's leading technology company. In collaboration with Alley, a membership-only community workspace for creators. Each location is a community curated, powered by the emerging technologies and thought leadership of Verizon. With Alley, Verizon is bridging the gap between startup and corporation by helping the community workspace build next-level ecosystems for entrepreneurs. And now, on to my interview with Mel D. Cole.
2: I wake up the next day. I believe that might have been Friday, Saturday. Quest Love calls me. I tell him what happened. He's like, oh, man, I knew uh, Diddy didn't want to seem like the bad guy. He wants to know if uh, he can have your phone number. He wants to give you a call and apologize. I was like,
1: what? What? Yeah, yeah, check it out. I'm your host, Corey Cambridge. Uh, yeah. Everybody tuning in, you invited, you invited, no matter what mood you in, get excited, get excited. Everybody love the music, let me tell you how they do it, whether writer or an agent, let me tell you how they made it. You are now talking to a silent giant, want to walk in their shoes, silent giants, want to study their move, silent giants, want to know what they do, silent giants, silent giants, y'all. <laughs> Welcome to the Silent Giants podcast a podcast that highlights the superstars behind the scenes of popular culture. I'm your host, Corey Cambridge. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Giants SilentGiantsPodcast to keep up with the latest news about the show. To keep up with my life, music, and more, be sure to follow me as well at at Corey Cambridge. This week's Silent Giant is New York City photographer Mel D. Cole. Mel is one of New York's top photographers and has built a solid resume for himself, alongside Trey Songz and The Roots as their personal photographer. In this episode, I sit down with Mel to chat about his early life in Syracuse, how he got into photography, lessons he's learned along the way. He shares amazing stories about shooting Diddy's to infamous White Party, meeting Shadé and Drake in London's O2 Arena, and a whole lot more. So, without further ado, let me introduce you to the photographer, my friend, the silent giant, Mel D. Cole. What's up, Mel? What's poppin', dog?
2: I'm good. How are you?
1: Dude, I can't complain, man. Yo, you're a smooth cat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. How are you? I'm chill. Yeah. <laughs> Late night with Mel D. Cole. One, two, one, two. <laughs> it's like, Hello, everybody. On a rainy night in October. <laughs> right. <laughs> wait, wait, so you said you've been to VA. We were talking about Virginia. You've been yes. there, to Richmond, my hometown. Yeah, I've been there a few times. Okay, okay. Uh-huh. A few times. Uh-huh. Uh, that's more than most. Yeah,
2: uh, Petersburg. I've been... I've spent... Thanksgiving at Trey's house down there uh, sh- 2017.
1: His mother April's super nice. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, so, April's amazing. Yeah, yeah. We um yeah. when I was a little kid, I mean a little kid, I was like a junior in high school. Mm. I uh there was a, a story where I was um, bussing tables at a restaurant mm-hmm. Ruth's Chris in Richmond mm. and none of the kids, because Trey had just come out, so none of the kids knew who he was but okay. I did, because he was like, his shit was all over BET at the time, Right. so I was like yo, yo, but he wasn't in my section uh-huh. so I was like, yo, look, let me bust this table <laughs> let me bust this table down, and then you could take the money you know, he's like, uh, okay, cool, whatever right, right. but it was him and his mom oh, that's and I awesome. was like, yo man, like I rap <laughs> <laughs> he was like yo like let me hear your music give me a cd yeah and then i gave it to him and then like uh, i ran into him again at virginia state uh-huh uh a couple years after that i went there my freshman year cool dude yeah
2: man. yeah yeah Trae's the man. We're, we're going on tour well he's going on tour and i'm going with him rather uh shit i fly out to la on the 29th of this month and then we go to new zealand and there's four or five dates in New Zealand. Wow. And then we fly over to Australia, and there's like five or six dates in Australia. Sounds like
1: a terrible time. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> terrible life, <It's> bro. Horrible. <laughs> is, is, so do you know Amadeus? Yeah. I know yeah, him it's I, my guy. I had I, him on the show uh, uh, way back. Yeah.
2: I just saw him at MetLife Stadium at this event uh, that Odell Beckham Jr.'s mom was hosting along with... um Fuck. I feel bad that I'm drawing a blank. Uh, 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 Editing, don't worry about starter. it. Starter, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Why am I drawing a blank? Yeah, I don't know why. But linebacker, amazing guy. <laughs> Run starter, the brand now. Um,
1: well, it's a pleasure having you here, man. Yeah, uh, where you from?
2: Shit, I'm originally from Syracuse,
1: New York. Okay, are you yeah. a, is a is it an Orange man? Yeah. Well, they're the orange now. They used to be the Orange men. Used to be the Orange. Oh, men, I guess but because of Title Nine. Or
2: shit, I guess. Okay, something happened, and they wanted to make everything equal because they were calling the orange women um, the orange women. So they just said, "Fuck all that shit. Let's be gender neutral, and we're just becoming the orange."
1: Did you ever want to go to the to Syracuse? No, I didn't. Why? Because it's fucking down the street from my house. <laughs> <laughs> that means great school. Literally,
2: yeah, yeah, it's a great school. But I wanted to get away from Syracuse. I didn't want to stay in Syracuse. Okay. Um, cause I grew up in, you know, just kind of a shitty neighborhood and I went to three different high schools. I went to a bunch of elementary schools. I'm a high school dropout and staying in Syracuse necessarily wasn't, uh, you know, going to be a great thing for me. I wouldn't be sitting here with you on this here podcast if I was to, uh, if I would have stayed in Syracuse.
1: It is, is it a bad area at the time or? I mean,
2: shit. It wasn't so bad, but you can get into bad shit. Okay. You can do bad things and I hung around bad, uh, not bad people, but people making bad decisions. Okay. And a lot of people that I hung around made a lot of bad decisions. They spent a lot of time in prison. I don't have any friends that have not done any significant time. Uh, no, I mean, let me tell you, I don't have any friends that ha- didn't do any significant time in their life. I have friends that have done 20 years, and 13 years, 10, did time in juvie and all that shit. And I kind of started to look at that when I was in high school and go, you know what? I got to get the fuck out of here. I got to change my life, you know, to make it better. What mm-hmm. caused that change? Um, Shit. What caused the change is that I was two grades back. And everybody uh was graduating already and I, I was I was looking at myself. It's like, yo, I gotta get the fuck out of here because I'm I feel like I'm old and I I was looking at the, I was looking at certain people and they were there was a program I believe it's kinda like I guess it was night school ish or whatever, but it was like a lot of older people that were having education problems and they were going to these classes and I was like, I do not want to be one of these people. So I um at my third high school, some like I I just I met a couple of people that were just doing different shit than I was used to doing. And to be blunt and to be very frank, there were these guys, um, the brothers Jason and Justin Cameron, and they were mixed, white and black, but they hung out on the white side of the town, you know, doing quote unquote uh, white shit going to fucking field parties and kegs (laughs) and watching friends and going to, sneaking into white bars and smoking weed out of fucking bongs and shit like that. And I was just like, Oh wow, (laughs) this is, this happens in this town. Like I had fucking no idea. And, um, it just opened my eyes and I was like, wow, this is something that I could have been doing instead of doing the same old bullshit with my friends I'm interested in this life. I'm interested in learning about different cultures and doing different shit. And um, that kind of sparked it as like, I got to get the fuck out of here. You know, in college, I can do all of that. I can hang out with every fucking body, white, black, Asian, whatever it is. I can do that in college and I can hopefully translate that into real life and learn, you know, make it a learning experience and make it, you
1: know, my life now. And that's what I did. A pivotal moment in most people's lives is the a moment of exposure, right? And I think that's the difference between um, a lot of folks who make it and don't make it. Mm-hmm. It's not because they're bad people; it's because they don't know what's on the other side, right? You yeah. know what I mean? Like they're not exposed to it to see yeah. what success looks like or a different life looks like or what college could be like. Mm-hmm. So, did you did you have aspirations from college from being around uh, that new you know demographic of people?
2: Yeah totally Uh, it it just because people these people like uh, so many people that i remember around there you know they were had aspirations of going to college the big schools and you know it was just different a whole different culture and they were raised differently and they were programmed to just be different from all the people that i knew like we were programmed you know to just just make it just to survive and these people weren't just living to survive they were living to fucking thrive and yeah. thrive you know to really be about it and um yeah i just took inspiration from that and applied it to my own you know my own life and was, i remember talking to my dad my dad would, t- would tell me he's like yo man like you gotta get your shit together too and that was another thing that really sparked you know a, a fire in my ass and I said you know what dad you're right all this fucking up I've been doing and all the putting you putting you through the ringer I'm going to get my shit together and I I, I made a plan and I, I joined this uh another thing there was this program called the Liberty Partnership Program LPP and it was kind of like a counseling tutor kind of deal at school and they told me it's like hey you're you can drop out of out of high school right now because your graduating class, already graduated where you're supposed to be. You can get your GED and still go to school. And I looked at them uh, go to college, I was like, get the fuck out of here. It's like, <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> and she was like, yeah, you're smart enough to do it. Why don't you just do it now? Drop out, you take the test, and you go apply for college at the same damn time and be in school with everybody else. And that's what the fuck I did. I, I took the GED I got accepted to college before I even got my GED results back. Wow. Yeah. So this is a community school. You know, they just and you know, I put down that I had it. <laughs> I got the GED. I didn't know I was getting it, but I was like, I'm getting it. And I got it. And I was off
1: the school. And that's it. And uh, what did college teach you? Well, what did you major in in school?
2: Uh, liberal arts. At first, my college. My associates is, is in liberal arts. And then when I got to Stony Brook, I still was I didn't know what I wanted to do at the time. I thought something in maybe film or whatever, but um like I didn't know how to achieve that. So but I ended up getting a degree in cinema and cultural studies and a, uh uh what do you call it? A minor in African American studies. Okay.
1: Yeah. Okay. Uh, are are your parents creatives? Uh my father's a DJ. Okay.
2: And my mom, I wouldn't call her a creative, no. But my dad's a DJ. I wouldn't necessarily call him a creative either, you know, so.
1: Oh, you wouldn't call him a creative?
2: Not really, no. I mean, I guess dj I, I consider some and a lot of, I consider a lot of DJs artists, but I wouldn't necessarily consider my father artist. He's more of a um, a traditional, like he can mix, he can do all of that stuff, but but he now he uses more of his voice you know like like he has a radio voice he could okay. he, he could do that kind of shit <laughs> he should have a podcast yeah he could have a podcast but uh and he dj's still he's 65 he dj's at a, a elks lodge okay he has a residency <laughs>
1: <laughs> is he in syracuse yeah
2: okay every th- like thursday friday saturday he dj's there um he owned a record shop as well for about 25 years. And growing up, I always thought that that was what I was going to do. I was going to take over the business from him. Um, that didn't happen. The record shop closed. Internet killed all of that shit. And um, also my father not being the greatest businessman um, either kind of destroyed that whole dream. So, um, yeah. You click, Do you collect vinyl to this day? No, I don't. I used to. When it went out the record shop, I had shit. I was trying to. uh, I wouldn't necessarily call myself a DJ, but I DJed back in the day. Okay, a little bit, and that was from him because he had all the equipment and all that stuff. So I was just, in, I had all the records in the world that I wanted to that I could use. So yeah, I have a couple of mixtapes too that I still have at home. (laughs) You got to
1: re-release them,
2: (laughs) and uh, and 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 have some raps on them too that are horrible.
1: And, and yeah. so where did photography come into play as far as um you mentioned earlier in the conversation about being at the common show uh-huh, um, but was there any interest at all in photography before that? No, not at all, no,
2: no, I took a photography class in college and hated it like I was just too impatient I didn't get it didn't I was like eh, nah, no, I shit, I wasn't even thinking about like art was so far from removed from my circumference that me being an artist photographer was not a fucking thought at all. Like it just kind of, I grew into it per se. Like I, it, I I went after it. It didn't come to me at all. You know, it is. I bought the camera and then I was like, I surrounded myself with creative types and cre- just creatives in general and that's when my creativity started to pour, pour out as, you know, I was inspired by my surroundings, by the people, by my friends and by artists that turned into my peers and so on and so forth.
1: Uh, who are some of the inspirations uh, early on for you in the world of photography? Uh, in the world of photography? No one. Because I didn't know any photographers. Wow. I didn't know anyone. So,
2: what, so I, I you- did. I, shit. Well, girl, like, seriously, <laughs> I knew zero photographers. Um when I first started. Like no one. And then I would start hearing people's names, like, oh, your work your work kinda like my street stuff or whatever. Or taking the snaps was like black and white. Oh, your stuff kinda looks like Ricky Powell. Do you know Ricky Powell? No, who the fuck is that? I've never heard of this man in my life. Oh, you should meet Ricky. He's always around. Okay, who's Ricky? Meet him and then I'm like, This motherfucker is crazy. And I've seen just run dmc shit i've seen this i was like oh wow okay i get it now i see the correlations you know and but um as i started to learn more i you know appreciate other photographers work more and more and more because it's like you you want to uh know where you stand you know in the industry and stuff so you know there's people that I, i look up to that that are I consider my peers, but are far light, head, light years ahead of me as far as, you know, work is concerned, like Mannion. I think he's amazing. We do different shit, but, you know, he's, to me, he's like the greatest hip-hop photographer there is right now. I think he's the best at what he does, you know, so. Um,
1: yeah, I had a chance to interview him. Um, yeah, I saw that. I, I went- looked
2: through who, your list of the, the podcast and saw that you, you interviewed him.
1: But so he he uh, learned uh, heavily from Richard Avedon. Uh huh. Yep, I know that. Um, but you kind of strike me as hip hop's Gordon Parks. Mm, I've heard that before because you mentioned you bounced around from you lived in Philly for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh Where did you move to New York City, and what inspired you to make that move to, to New York City?
2: Uh I moved to New York. Well, I went to Stony Brook, in, which is in Long Island. So um, that was that's about an hour and some change away by. By uh, Long Island Railroad. That was in ninety nine. But before that, I was living in the Bronx for about four months in ninety six. I think, yeah, ninety six. Okay. Um, but I just wanted to live here, man. I wanted the the excitement of the city. The growing up in in Syracuse, New York, it was all about New York, New York, New York, New York. Anytime you meet somebody from New York, it was like, oh shit, you're from New York man i gotta i want to go there you know it's like every fucking entertainer everything happened in new york every rapper that i admired um from jay-z to buckshot to mob deep and nas and big daddy kane and biz Markie. like everything my my universe that you know as far as like everything that i loved was new york so it's like i want to be in new york and where'd you move i, I gotta get there uh well after after college i lived in brooklyn for a little while where in brooklyn uh bushwick actually halsley street and then after that i was like fuck new york's expensive (laughs) it's like what the fuck am i gonna do i can't afford an apartment right now this is after college and everything so my cousin and i we found an apartment in jersey city in Jersey City, it was up and coming, and I was like, "Fuck, this is so close." The train runs twenty four hours a blah. I'm just gonna stay here, and I laid my roots down in Jersey City, and I've been living in the same apartment since two thousand
1: and four. What really? Yeah. Hmm. Wow. Jersey City is really cool. Yeah. Are you like near like the Grove stop? Yeah, I get up at Grove Street. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I uh, when I first came to New York City, I stayed in. Um, I stayed there, like right next to the Hollywood Fried Chicken. Oh shit! Okay. And it was like, the, it was back in the day though, it wasn't as like, yeah, yeah. yeah. it wasn't as nice when I, when I came 10 years ago. Okay. Yeah. They had like the, the McDonald's that had like the sliding door. Oh, it's still there. <laughs> yeah. I, was, I was like, wait, you don't, you can't come in? Right. Like, nah, no, we just give it to you right here. It's still there. It yeah. was like a liquor store. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Liquor store energy at the McDonald's. <laughs> right, um, right. Oh, at what point in your career did you realize, uh, you know, that things were moving and gaining momentum? Was there like a, a moment that happened for you?
2: Uh, Yeah. When I was at Santos and I was, I got to the DJ booth, I tapped Diddy on the shoulder and he grabbed, he didn't grab me, but he looked at me and he was like, get the fuck out of here and handed me to his security. And I got on Twitter and maybe Twitter was maybe like a year old or some shit. And I started to make a joke about the incident and Quest Love. Wait, did he kick you out? Yeah, he kicked me out—not out of Santos, he just kicked me out of DJ Booth. It was him and DJ Booth, Q-Tip, Vashti, Jay Z. Okay, you got strong
1: arms. G- yeah, <laughs> I had to get
2: past two security guards to get to that point, and I just— ta- I, I-, I- did he turn around? I just showed him my camera, and he was like, "Uh, uh-uh. it's like get out of here." So anyway, I get on Twitter and I—I uh, started making fun of the situation. And Questlove saw it, and then he retweeted Diddy, and they're going back and forth. And I'm on the dance floor at Santos, and I'm like, "Oh shit, okay, this is cool." And um, in the night was whatever. I didn't take offense to it. It was you know not a big deal to me. I wake up the next day. I believe that might have been Friday, Saturday. Questlove calls me. I tell him what happened. He's like, "Oh man." I knew uh Diddy didn't want to seem like the bad guy. He wants to know if uh he can have your phone number. He wants to give you a call and apologize. I was like, what? Diddy wants to call me? Damn. I'm like, Puff Daddy? That diddy? <laughs> um, so like, shit, Monday or Tuesday, he gives me a call. Yo, Playboy, what up? This is diddy. And I'm like, I know it's Diddy. <laughs> I knew it was you. I muted my TV, and I've been waiting for you to call. I didn't say that, but in my head, <laughs> and I sat down, and I was like, what's up, man? How's it going, buddy? <laughs> so, uh, But uh, I got in front. I was a little nervous talking to him. Played it super cool, and um, I told him, I was like, yo, man, take a look at my website, and um. He's like, what's your website? I said, villageslum.com. And he said, somebody go to villageslum.com. Pulls it up, I guess, and wherever he was. And um, he's like, oh, man, I like your work. And I was like, yeah, I would love to work with you. Um, can we do something? He's like, listen, I'm going to have somebody hit you up uh, in a couple of days. I said, Diddy, don't fuck with me. This is my Zach was just like, don't fuck with me. He said, listen here, playboy. <laughs> <laughs> and I got real close to the phone uh, <laughs> I put the phone up mad tight and I think it was a Blackberry too I put that motherfucker super close cool. he's like listen here Playboy my follow through is impeccable <laughs> and I said word <laughs> and then he's like don't worry somebody's gonna hit you up and then I got an email saying can you show up at such and such studios I forget not studio record label, I forget which one it was. And um I went and the job was taking photos at one of his video shoots or some shit. And at that time it was something that I necessarily really wasn't interested in. And um it, I passed on it. But then like a month Wait, later. You passed
1: on that opportunity? Yeah. Yeah. Really? I wasn't in, I really wasn't interested in doing it. Were you were you scared at all of like losing the opportunity or connection in general? No. I wasn't. Why? Um, because opportunity
2: to come again. Because I looked at myself as shit. You want to beat it, man. Act like the fucking man. You know what I mean. So I wasn't cocky about it. Or anything. It was just like, no, I don't want to do that. And I've always held myself to that standard from day one. Not gonna do nothing or anything that I don't want to do. You know that. And it was it's, it was a good opportunity, but it just didn't fit my brain or what I wanted to do. Yeah. And it didn't sound like it would be fun for me. Um, and at this time, I had a day job and everything. It wasn't like I was hurting for money or anything like that. So, you know, it wasn't something that I had to do for money either. Um, But it was just like, for me, it was so exciting that I had the opportunity and it's like, well, if I'm getting this opportunity, I'm going to get much bigger and better opportunities. It's going to keep coming. Like I've reached this point. I'm happy. Um, So uh, a month later or whatever, I go about my life. I'm still shooting, whatever. And I get an email. It says, Mr. Combs requests your presence uh, for his white uh, gala in Beverly Hills. Can you please tell us your rates and da, da, da. Basically, long story short, he wanted me to be his personal photographer for his white party. I believe it was the last one that was in 2009. Um, and I said, motherfucking right? <laughs> now we're talking. Now, now I'm interested. Now, this sounds fun. Now, now, <laughs> Right. Now now we're talking. Uh, this is what I want to be paid. For, and flew me out to fucking Beverly Hills, put me up in a hotel. And we're in goddamn hills and houses that I never imagined seeing in my life. His lifestyles are rich and famous and Every goddamn celebrity in the world was there. And I'm just like, wow. Okay. My dumb ass. I was like, do I have to wear white too? And it's like, yeah, motherfucker. So I had to run out and get white and all this shit. And um, yeah, it was amazing. Like I was taking photos and at the time, like a lot of people, like there were a lot of Hollywood actresses and actors. And so I didn't even know who the fuck they were. And I, my girlfriend at the time, when I got back to the hotel, we we're looking through this shit. And I was like, oh, who's She's like, oh my God, that's so and so. So I was like, oh. Okay, I wish I would have you know, uh, no, but I just, you know, I didn't I didn't have time to fucking really know who I didn't know who the fuck everybody was going to be there anyway. But um it was an amazing experience. One of the best best things I did uh early in my career and I remember just publishing those photos. They went fucking crazy on the gossip blogs and all that stuff. And that propelled me into, you know, a different realm of, you know, photography and a different world. Like a lot of people started to know my name outside of, you know, my circle of friends and the downtown scene. I became more of, you know, uh, more in the hip hop community. Okay,
1: you know? yeah. Um, now that you are at a certain place in your career, mm-hmm. you come a long ways from that wa- that white party. Right. How do you remain a fly on the wall when I like I know your face, mm-hmm. um, and you're a photographer, and I know your face. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you still maintain that like anonymity now today? Uh, shit. Does that present a challenge? No, I never really think about it to be honest. Um,
2: no, it's, I, I I don't know. I don't. I never think about it. Yeah, that's a good question. I don't think it's a challenge. I just think it's. I don't even know if I want to be a fly on wall anymore. Like, I, it's more of like uh. I guess sometimes being known is better, especially now. It's been fifteen years, so it's like I want, like the I want the up and coming up up and coming rappers or and, you know music people. I want them to know who I am. I don't want to. I don't want them to just not know. Okay, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, I want them to know what's up, and even you know, even the rappers that are, that are not up and coming. I want them to be like,
1: okay, yeah, I've seen you before. Well, I feel like even the reason why I, I would ask that question mm-hmm. is because to my friends, mm-hmm. I'm like, young I'm going out to this event." But this event to them is a party, mm-hmm. but to me, it's work. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? To a certain extent, right? So, you know, where well, they can just g- get fucked up. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, I can't. I'm not going to go get fucked up at this mm-hmm. event. Like, I have to be presentable <laughs> to right. whoever I could potentially meet. But if I see you shooting, mm-hmm. I feel like you can miss a moment. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to interrupt.
2: LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire
1: professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. You could have.
2: Oh, that's that's cool. Yeah, I don't mind. Interrupt. Talk. You know what I mean? Shit. Like, for me, is like if i'm at an event i'm using the event to one i'm uh, nowadays i'm all right because if i'm taking photos of the event i'm fucking getting paid at at this point in my career i'm not shooting any events for free those days is long gone and also i'm using the event to network you know Mm, to give out my car to meet people to meet people that i don't know you know To meet the new movers and shakers, there's always new people coming in the city every fucking week. You know, somebody's new and somebody has a new and creative idea, somebody, you know, their dream and so on and so forth. I might want to be a part of their dream, Mm. you know, and help them accomplish their goals. Um, But yeah, that's what I've always had that uh, remedy where it was like, uh, I want to, I always used events to, Propel myself, you know, use as a platform, not just a party, but you know, not just to be the photographer, but to do other things.
1: Mm. Um, before when you got the big opportunity with Diddy to do the White Party, mm-hmm. times were a lot different where there wasn't Instagram. No, uh, how just, was just Twitter, and how, Facebook? <laughs> how has Instagram changed, if at all, how you do your work? Mm. Instagram.
2: Let's see. Instagram changed. Like, I didn't, I took Instagram as a joke at first. When it first came out, it was just like, oh, I'm just posting stupid shit and whatever. And then I started to see how everyone was transitioning, using it as a business uh, platform and as a tool to really make money in. So I stopped all of that shit because I was on the, remember, I was like, people just fucking go to my website right <laughs> right right, like, right Right? just go to my website you want to see my photos i'm just using this post fucking picture of my fucking toes today right? <laughs> <laughs> you know with the sun you know it's just <laughs> shitty with this shitty ass fucking filter on it like i or i didn't use it seriously and then something's like man you have all these photographers out here that's killing it on instagram And I wouldn't even necessarily call some of these people photographers. And this is the beginning of Instagram where they had fucking thousands of followers. And I was like, hold the fuck on. (laughs) (laughs) Like freeze. Hold on. Yeah. I was like, I was like, hold on. Let me get my shit together on this platform because I should be, I felt that I should have thousands of followers. You know what I'm saying? Like, what the fuck? So, uh, I mean, it was around... Uh, shit. 2012, where I started to really take it serious and really get it together and not have, you know, stupid ass shit on there. What the fuck was your question? Because I totally forgot it. Oh, well, <laughs> well,
1: how has how has Instagram changed the way you do your job?
2: Oh, yeah. How does it change the way I do my job? Uh If at all. It does. It changed the way that, for one, I don't put, I don't shoot naked women anymore so much. And I noticed when I didn't take Instagram, because I've been kicked off of Instagram for for posting nudity and shit like that.
1: Wait, like your profile? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Because I didn't take it serious. I was like, fuck it, I'm posting titties. <laughs> and I would get notifications and I didn't think they're really going to kick me off. And I had at Mel D. Cole and they said, all right, we've had enough of your shit. <laughs> See you. And then I had to have Melody at Melody Cole, and I had fucking like 8,000 followers. And this was maybe like the first year I was on it. And then they deleted me at like 8,000 or some shit. I had to start, restart all over again. I had Melody Cole underscore village slum. And I said, All right, no more titties. Damn, <laughs> that sucked. But I was like, You know what? I ain't making money off these titties anyway. You know, I'm not a titty photographer guy. It was just something to do on the side and just fun. And um there was three or four or five years of my life. Okay, great. I have that, you know, part done. I have I can do a book on titties and women if I wanted to. Um, but it's like you gotta really take this shit serious because you can make money off of it and not just like advertising and brands, they're not gonna wanna fuck with you because of the titties and the nudity <laughs> and, and all that. Well, it's, it's how
1: you're branding yourself. You're yes, branding yourself yes. as this. Yeah. To it's, someone who doesn't know you. Yeah.
2: So it's like, I've been turned down for jobs. Like, they, they're like, oh, they love you. Oh, we're going to put you in for this. And then, like, don't you sign the shit. And the brand comes back. They vet your Instagram. And they're like, um, yeah, you might be a little bit too wild for them or whatever. And it's like, fuck. That
1: was, that was a ban right
2: there. Yeah. <laughs> so... But yeah, it definitely changes you, you know, and it's your portfolio. For me, it's more for, it's what people are gonna look at first because it's the most, you know, constant thing that you're updating. Um
1: obviously your work speaks for itself. Thank you're you. You're an amazing photographer. Appreciate but it. What else besides the actual art itself makes you great and makes you hireable and makes you someone that everyone else wants to be around?
0: Mm.
2: Um I think I think uh at this point in my life and stage in my career and what's always been a calling card for me is um is that i can be a chameleon i can not i can be a chameleon i am a chameleon and what i mean by that is that i know how to read a room you know if i'm getting hired for some punk rock shit i know what i can do and what i can't do I'm fucking going there and wild out. I'm being a pit. I'm gonna do all this shit. I can drink and have fun, but also, if I get hired for some corporate ass shit, I'm not gonna come with the same mindset. In you know, and and going there, I'm not gonna go fucking with holy jeans on and wild <laughs> out. You know, I'm not. I'm not not going to be myself, but I'm just gonna adjust because I know that this is not what this scene is. So um, that's part of it, and being what I like to call is being fucking professional. That's what's called (laughs) professional professionalism, you know. And being able to adapt, being able to do different types of photographies, photographies. Jesus Christ, photography, and you know, I I can do a event shit. I can do lifestyle. I can do live music. You know, I can do portraits. Blah blah. blah. I could do a lot of different shit. So it makes me, I guess, hireable. And then also just being i guess a uh, personality per se whatever like the fact that you know me as you know you know my face as a photographer you know i'm doing something right you know and people like that shit they like you know the influencer part of you know photographers these days you know to help them sell shit or Talk about their stupid shit. A lot of <laughs> stupid shit that I turned down. But thank you, stupid people, for sending me your stupid proposals. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but no, thank you. I'm not holding your fucking water bottle at a <laughs> festival that you're not paying me to get
1: to. Suck Preach. A, suck a dick. <laughs> uh, what, one of my favorite photos from you. The Drake shot a photo. How how did that? Mm. Uh, how did it happen? I'll tell you that story. One
2: of my holy grail photos was to get Sha Day. Excuse me, just one second. This shit, my cuff keeps hitting this thing. Alright, we're back. So one of my holy grail photos was Sade. So on this particular trip, and uh I'm with Trey Songs and we're out promoting his late his album Tremaine. So this was last year, 2017. We're out in London promoting it. And uh, his Drake's the shit. What the fuck album was like? More Life, I believe it's called. Mm-hmm. That just came out, so we're all listening to that. We're vibing off it, of, you know. Trey and Drake have a relationship, and they just rekindled it, and so they're all texting shit. And and I was like, I'm looking at shit to do, and I was like, Oh shit, Drake's performing at O2 Arena. I was like, In the back of my head, I'm like, I hope we go, <laughs> <laughs> and I want to take photos. This would be fucking awesome. And I'm still, we're going, we're going. <laughs> and it's just him, me, Kevin Lyles, and uh, Bianca, who works with Trey as well, and me. So, and maybe, oh, yeah, and then it was Tip and Dot, his assistants. And um, that's usually the the crew that goes, you know, to private stuff like that with him or whatever, and takes care of his shit. And, um, man, we get there, and then all of a sudden Trey just, Real low, he says. Um, is here. And everyone looked at him like get the fuck out of here. <laughs> she ain't <laughs> here. She's a hermit. She'll come outside, man. You just you just bullshitting us. So um he's like, nah, she's here, yeah. I saw her. There's a door opened up in the corner of it, and he said, I saw her fucking face. And I was like, yo, he's like, we're going to find her right now. <laughs> and we we found her uh in the sound booth um later on because Trey was coming. He he was gonna uh get on stage with Drake and possibly do a few songs. He only did one song. So we we find Sade and I'm nervous as fuck. I'm like, yo, it's Sade right fucking here in front of me. While Drake is fucking performing, she's singing Drake songs and then and then Trey Yeah,
1: so she in the crowd?
2: No, she's almost in the crowd it's the platform you walk up some stairs and it's her and the crowd was literally like right here and it was like this sound booth area so it was it was her drake's dad um
1: try days with drake's dad
2: kind of sorta yeah
1: dennis is living son
2: drake's uncle (laughs) this white guy uh who else was in there? Uh, the model that has the uh, fuck. What's the the skin condition? Uh, oh, yeah, uh, she's beautiful. Yeah, I can't she's th- super. I can't think her, of her name. I can't think of her name off the top of my head right now. These, but she's yeah, Venerlago. That's what you call it. But she was there, and a couple other people. And I remember telling Trey, I said, "Listen, bro," I said we getting this photo with Shadé. I said, "If you got to throw me under the bus." And tell me, like, give me a stern no, because he never does that, whatever. Usually him and I have this relationship. I know how to read him or whatever when the situation is right. That's another thing, you know, what makes a good photographer, especially personal photographer. You have to know your fucking client. Um, but I told him, I said, we're getting this. And if I just if I go, bro, let's take a photo. You have to tell me no, because you feel the vibe from her, just do it. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, so it's fine I'm not gonna you know feel any ill will about it I won't take it personal um and he's like bah, 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 I, don't worry about it so they start talking and I just start filming video I got video of them talking and all that shit and then I was like fuck how am I gonna get this photo though like I'm trying to read the situation and the woman with the venilagro vert- vert- yeah, vit- vit- Vir- yeah that. She comes over, and I was like, fuck, yes. It's a woman. Sade's going to feel comfortable with her, possibly. So I go, get you guys together. And Shade says, okay. But Shade does one of these. Everybody's looking this way and goes, like this. And I was like, I didn't give a shit. It's Shade in photo. Oh, she turns her head? Yeah, but not on not on some, like, fuck you kind of shit. Right. It was just like, I'm Shade. Like, I'm going to pose this way. Fucking fine to me. <laughs> so, um, and it was... I got photo of m three and then Drake's uncle, and then uh Trey had to go perform, so we go perform, I shoot it, and I'm thinking this is the end of it. I got my photo shot there. I'm fucking happy um so show's over we go backstage, so Dr- Drake has like his backstage, and there's a after party, but then there's a after after party you have to get through. You know, there's like, like layers. Yes, layers <laughs> where he has his own his dressing room. There's a desk in there, there's phones set up for Drake. And all this shit. Drake has his own fucking tiles with his logo on it. Like Wow. Right. He's a list a A-list. Oh yeah. 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 a list a list So we get back there and Sade's back there. Right when we walk in, it's fucking Sade and Drake. And I literally just walk- them two? No, it was it was probably like 10, 15 other people okay. in there. You know, Drake's mom, Drake's dad, Drake's uncle, um, Drake's, few of Drake's team uh, were in there. And then it was us. And I walk into Drake and Sade, and they're posing for a photo. And I literally walked up and I took the photo too. No, I didn't ask any fucking questions. I didn't say shit. I took the fucking photos. <laughs> I snap, 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 snap. snap. And then I went over with Trey, and then um, in the back of the room, fucking uh, Sade came back there and was talking with Trey and all this shit, and it was like, we got to get solo photos. So everybody in the fucking team got solo photos. I got my photos taken with Sade. It was magical. She was so fucking cool that, imagine this, right? And this is us, and there's imagine this is a palm tree, the little <laughs> one. It's about yay high up to your waist or whatever. And at one point, we're all dancing
1: around this fucking palm tree with shade, And Drake is playing the fucking music over in the corner. Oh, my God. What does her voice sound like? Like, not her speaking voice. Dude. i I've never even heard her speaking <sighs> voice.
2: She, I said, hi. And she says, she, says,
1: <laughs> she goes, I, I can't even do
2: it. It was like, <laughs> hi, I'm Shade, And I literally said, I said. Could you say that one more time? <laughs> <laughs> I've I never said, heard her say I her said, name. Could you, Could you say that one more time, please? She said, "I'm Sade. I was like, "I know." Like she just laughed at me. I was like, "Yo, you are, yeah, you are fucking the shit." Like, God damn it, Sade, dude! Like, what the fuck? Unbelievable. So, I mean, that that night was, dude. We must have talked about that night for another month. like <laughs> reliving every situation. We walked out of the O2 Arena like. What the fuck just happened? Uh, BB, she somehow her and Sade started talking about sneakers. She takes off her sneaker and gives it to fucking Sade. Sade had her feet in fucking BB sneaking. She's like, oh, it's some Nikes. Jordan, I think Jordan 1's. She's like, I like these. Fucking Sade gives her her address. BB sends her fucking sneakers. Like crazy shit like that happened where wow. the energy was just crazy and then I remember Sade was leaving. They were there, um and I, I went like this, about to go up to Drake and Sade, and Drake goes like this. He was like, no, no, no. Like, and then she leaves, and then Drake comes over to me It's like, yo man, I'm sorry. Um, you know, she just kind of wanted to leave. You know, maybe she didn't want any more photos. Don't take any offense. So I looked at Drake and I said, nigga. <laughs> Nick, stop it. I looked at him just like that. I said, stop it. You're too nice. <laughs> it's like, you are the reason why I just met Sade. That she came to your show. It's okay, man. Like, you don't have like, but thank you for being so polite to me. I really, really, really appreciate it. Because you probably don't know me from a can of paint right now. Thank you very much. All and right. uh every it was me, it was at this point, it was him me and some other guy and this other guy asked me to take a photo of drake and him it was just us in his dressing room and i go fuck it i was like let me get a photo too drake <laughs> <And> I, <posed. laughs> I, was like, fuck I was like i gotta remember this fucking night and i was like i gave him five dap, and i said thank you and left and it's just like that
1: yeah because that was that was a photo that just the first time when it popped up online yeah. It's like, wow. Yeah, man. That like, photo
2: made the rounds. He wound up posting, he posted his photographer's photo of uh, I believe is him, his mom, and her. And then he posted my photo of just them two together, mm-hmm. the black and white one uh, that he posted together. And I was just like, Man, wow. Like, <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh before I let you go, there's two questions I want to ask before yes. we wrap up the interview. Uh-huh. Uh and I have a touch on it because you brought it up in the um, during the story. Okay. was reading the client and like uh-huh. reading the moment. Yes. like uh, w- Explain more about that to photographers, uh, about that ability and that skill.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, I always tell people you have to, you have to, have to, have to read the room. You cannot walk in thinking that every room is the same, especially if you want to deal with different people. You want to branch out from what you normally do. Um, it's just like like you, you gain a lot of experience from that from going to dinner. For me, I gain a lot of experience from going to dinner parties. Like you just never know who the fuck is gonna be there. It to be some crazy motherfuckers, and everybody's acting crazy. Be some tighten up people. You know, it's kind of t- you know you just got to know because I've done work with fucking the most buttoned up people there is. Like, and I've done work for the craziest motherfuckers there are. Um, I've done work for the in-between. I've done work for Republicans. I've done pe- work for people that work for Fox News. Shepard Smith, that's my homie. Um, he's the only guy on Fox News that-, <laughs> that you fucks with. That, yeah, that I fuck <laughs> with. Because um, he, he you know, he be telling it like it is. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, Trump, you're fucking doing some stupid shit. You're doing some fucking idiot shit.
1: Kanye, YouTube man. What the fuck, but, Today bro? was an interesting day. <laughs> <sighs> yeah we'll go into that yeah but anyway back, <laughs> back,
2: back to reading the i would love to have read that fucking yes Jeez, man but it, it, it's just a skill man you just really have to know when to press the button and when not to press the button the button i mean the fucking the shutter you like you really have to know like every fucking moment is not a moment to be captured um, even if you think that it is, some moments you just have to step back and just accept it for what it is and not capture it. And that's how I've lived my life as a photographer all the way. It's like you have to just ah, show respect to what's going on, you
1: know. Right, because I, I w- let's say, for instance, um, with Trey, right? Uh, mm-hmm. He hires you to be his personal photographer, right. so you don't have the clearance to just shoot away because you're there. Um, Technically, I do. I with
2: him, yeah. I shoot whatever the fuck I want to shoot with him, and uh, but we've built up a relationship where I just know when it's time to fucking put the camera down. Okay, okay, you know what I mean. Okay, yeah, it's, it's a rhythm. Yeah, yeah, it's totally a rhythm. We get like, say for instance, we have a show. I shoot everything at the fucking show, um, after party, everything at the after party, or you know, at the club. But if we get back to the hotel room and it's private time and there's really nothing to fucking shoot or whatever, and it's done. It's time to put the camera down and chill out and just chill. Okay, you know, talk, drink, have a smoke. <laughs> you know, I mean, like relax or take my ass to bed. You know, it was a, it, it, right, it's a right. exactly what you said. It's a rhythm, you know, with him, and uh, it's one that it was like very immediate from the moment that I met him. It just became very fluid. It was just open, like yo, shoot. Yeah, I'll tell you if I don't want to shoot, and you'll learn. You know, it's easy, easy, and that's why I'm still
1: working with him three years later. Yeah, wow. Mm-hmm. And and Mel, uh, lastly, I ask this question to every guest on the show: What have you sacrificed uh, in your life to be great?
2: Uh, many relationships, many, many, many girlfriends. Um, shit, many late nights, many, just not sleeping not eating right, just hustling. I've sacrificed shit not being close to my family. They live in Syracuse. Um, I've sacrificed being behind on student loans, being behind fucking just everything, man. Fucking up with the IRS and uh, a lot of shit. You name it, I've done it. Because after I quit my job, I thought that I was going to be the greatest photographer in the world. I thought I was gonna make, you know, a lot of money and it just didn't happen as quickly as as I thought it was gonna be. So then, you know, you shit I sacrificed just, just like, fuck it. Well, I guess that I can't pay the, you know, uh, the fucking IRS back this month. And then next thing you know, it turns into a year or two and you're trying to be this great artist and photographer. And you're like, fuck, I got this IRS bill that I need to take care of. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or I got real life shit that it's not going to stop just because I want to be this famous photographer. You know, and the same shit with just bills in general. All of that shit, man. Just sacrificing a lot. A whole lot. Like, shit. Not eating right was a big thing. Going back to ramen noodles after having a day job for so many years. and It's like, fuck, I'm back on this college shit yeah, again. Um, man, so much. So much. I remember... Uh, I had a gig and my dog was sick and she had cancer and I had to fucking leave and that was a big sacrifice, you know, and to come back and I knew she was only gonna get worse, but I had to go. I had no choice. I had to fucking work, you know, and it something that I signed up for, you know, months and months ago. And um but I think the big thing, man, is just relationships, people that necessarily didn't understand what I was trying to sacrifice to get there and they, I wasn't trying to take them along on the ride with me because I didn't think they deserved to be there. You know, asking too many questions, wondering why I can't, they can't come. It's like, nah, man, you can't. Shit. I got. fam. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting. Can I come in. to your job? Right. <laughs> I, I'm doing me. I can't get you in too. And, and, and if you acting like this, I got to fucking babysit you at the party, at the event. Nah, bro. Like shit, we out of here. And same thing with women. Like, why can't I? I'm fucking working. I'm out till 4 o'clock in the morning, and I got to wake up at fucking 10 o'clock in the morning to go to my real job. Hmm. You know, not necessarily real, but then it was my real job, you know? So, yeah, it's a sacrifice. I remember, literally, long. I'll wrap it up here. I, uh when I quit my job, it was, shit, I forget what year it was, but I quit, and I literally... It's a summer, and I, I think I got a big gig right before I quit. So I thought I was on the up and up, and I got one or two gigs that summer, and it was just like, like to the point where it was like, fuck, my growing ass, am I gonna have to ask my dad for rent money? Like, what the fuck? And I wind up getting another job at the end of the summer, like a desk job. Yeah, that I worked with him. It was no dress code. It was from twelve to eight PM and it was like one of the best things that happened to me. I was able to still go out at night, but I could sleep in a little longer. It's the best and I held that for three years until I reorganized reorganized myself personally and business wise and came back stronger. And it's like the next time I quit. I'm gonna fucking not just do it so viciously to myself. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Just because I hate every fucking body here and I hate the way my fucking cubicle neighbor laughs and all that shit. <laughs> it's like I have to be for real about it. Have and a softer landing. Yeah, yeah. And luck and it's like I built shit up. And to the point where everybody at the job was like, why are you here? And I was like, shit, well, this is easy. I ain't really doing shit. And, <laughs> and they all left at five o'clock. I was at eight. And it's like from five to eight, I'm doing my own shit. I'm editing at <laughs> you all shit. You know? And so, so it's just patience, man. Patience.
1: Mel, thank you so much for being here, man. I appreciate you. Yes. And for just... Producing amazing work, man. Thank you very much. Like, do that, really dude. I appreciate it. I really appreciate it. Later, bro. Later. Thank you so much to our special guest, Mel D. Cole, for stopping by the podcast today. This episode has been mixed by Mark Bird. Before we get out of here, be sure to check out my other podcast, OPP. Other People's Podcast highlights your favorite podcasters, and we talk about the dope shows they created. I'll have the link provided for you in the description. I'm your host, Corey Cambridge, signing off. Until next time.
0: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer.